back to We Watch, We Collect baseball podcast presented by Believe Podcast Network. Episode number 23. I'm 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 starting I'm starting this episode with a question. What would you do with seven point two five million dollars? What would you do? I mean, like I'm pretty sure everyone would right away want to buy a house, you know, maybe buy a car or two, set their kids up for college if they have kids, go on vacation with their significant other if they don't. I don't know, splurge on something, buy something you've always wanted to buy. It's seven point two, seven and a quarter million dollars is a lot of money. Now, it's probably the last thing on people's mind to spend seven point two five million dollars on a piece of, of essentially cardboard. And that is what just recently happened through golden auctions almost about a week ago. Well, le- less than a week ago, of course. Golden auctions through a private private sale of the 1909, the T206 Honus Wagner SGC graded 2 sold for 725 million dollars the highest priced ever for a trading card highest selling price ever for a trading card 7.25 million dollars and of course the the other card that had the record was 6.63 million and it was also a, a T206 Honus Wagner this just so this one just so happens to be a lot better million dollars someone just cut a check or paid in cash we don't know because this is a private sale we don't know who the owner of this card is now I mean pretty much on anyone's guess it has to be a millionaire but we're never going to know if they signed a check for it if they paid in hold card cash if they paid in I don't know how they would pay for it, but $7.25 million for a trading card. And of course, baseball card. Honus Wagner, one of the greatest players to ever play. Obviously, I didn't see him play. My dad didn't even see him play. My great-granddad didn't even see him play. It was back in 1909. That's how old this card is. So, you know, well over 100 years. And what a lot of people don't know, quick little thing about it, there's only... There's less than 50 of them authenticated in the world. That, that, the reason why that's because they're so rare. There's less than 50 of them. Now, you know, maybe other people say, oh, well, there's other cards out there that are, you know, less than 50. They're, they're number to 50. Everyone's seen them. You know, you collect cards, you've seen them. They're, they're number to 50. But that's not the point, though. You know, there's there's only less than 50 of these authenticated in the world because it is most likely the most forged trading card out there because it's worth so much people are going to try to forge it there's less than 50 of them authenticated and because of the fact that it's so damn old from 1909 honestly i really couldn't tell you why this card sells for two for 7.25 million i and I, i couldn't even fathom 
the reasoning why someone would pay $7.25 million for this piece of cardboard. But I, as a collector myself, I've never spent more than $1,000 on a card. And I believe I never will. But I mean, th- there's, of course, there's private collectors out there that, you know, that just collect for the sake of saying, I have that card. And, you know, whoever bought this card, I believe, paid for it because of that reason. And, of course, we're never going to know. It was a private sale through Golden Auctions. So, we'll never know who the owner is. I mean, maybe they'll come out years later when the card is resold. Maybe. But, as of right now, it's it's through a private sale. So, we're never going to know. But, I mean, it, it, it goes through everyone's mind. Like, you know, the little collectors out there, even the, the guys that collect doing all the real high-end stuff, you know, $100,000 cards, even they're thinking like, holy shit, $7.25 million? And even if I had, you know, triple, quadruple that amount of money, if I had about, I don't know, like $48 million sitting around, I still wouldn't pay $7.25 million for that card. You know, for one, Okay, I get it. You know, it's the most iconic trading card out there. Most iconic baseball card out there. I'm a baseball fan myself. But I've said in past episodes, you know, I don't I don't collect certain cards for, you know, face value. I collect what I like. I'm, I'm not saying like this this card is hideous or this card is garbage by any means. You know, it's like it's it's simple. You know, it's a headshot. It's a white border, yellow background of Honus Wagner. You know, I'm not it not my favorite design, but it is an iconic look. And and yeah, I get it, you know, it's it's got that look, you know, and people want that card, you know. But me personally, I that's not what that's nowhere near reasons why I would collect that card. I would not want that card. If I had to pick a, a vintage card that I want, it would be the nineteen fifty two tops Mickey Mantle. I, I, I personally would like a card like that. Would I ever have owned one? Hell no. No way. Hell no. Unless one someone magically throws one on my lap, like, here, you want this card? Okay. Then that's the only way I'll ever own that card. I would never pay any amount of money if I had it for those cards. But do I understand as a collector why people pay that much for that card? Sure. Because I've, well, I haven't played millions, but I've paid, you know, hundreds for certain cards because I liked the hobby because that's what this hobby is all about. And you know what? That's that's amazing, though. I mean, seven point two five million. It's the highest price ever for a trading card. And it so happens to be a baseball card because baseball cards are king. It's amazing because it set it's it's set a new record. I know, of course, there's a new uh, 1952 Tops Mickey Mantle for sale right now through Heritage Auctions, and it's currently, I believe, at six million dollars with let with less than a month left to go. And everyone's saying that that card will reach about eight million. I made a prediction that that card will reach no more than eight point five million. But to fill everyone in, that is not the card that will reach the highest. There is a PSA 10 
1952 tops Mickey Mantle that Golden Auctions was showcasing at the National Convention for Trading Cards, which happens every single year. It's called the National. They were showcasing that card. That card, I believe, does not have a set date when it goes on sale, but that card, holy shit, will that card reach undoubtedly I would be surprised, but undoubtedly it will reach $10 million and more. I'm not going to guarantee it because I have no know nothing about who's selling it or who's going to buy it or there's, you know, their, their legal things are going on with that card. But I can safely say that I think that it will reach well over $10 million. But when that time comes for that certain car to go on sale or once it reaches the, the market and auctions, damn, that card is going to break headlines in the hobby world. Just like this one did right now. $7.25 million. That's a lot of money. That is such a shit ton of money. Especially nowadays. Like, damn, $7.25 million. Someone's, someone just bought a card and it, it's sitting in their, in their, in their, in their house they have a house in their house right now. They have a million dollar home, most likely in their million dollar home. That's such crazy to think about. And it's the size, it's the size of like, like a, like a little Zippo lighter. That's how big it is. That's crazy. $7.25 million. I, I wanted to start the episode off with what, what, with what just went on in the hobby world. $7.25 million. T206 1909 Honus Wagner card, highest price ever for a trading card. But that price will be broken sooner or later. It might be broken this year, if not next year. It it will be broken. But $7.25 million. What would you do with $7.25 million? Holy shit. I know damn well I would not spend it on the baseball card. I love baseball. I love ba- I love baseball cards. But you know what? I don't I don't love them that much. You know, I'd rather spend that money to actually travel everywhere for a whole year and watch baseball games and do all kinds of fun shit. But buy a single card? No, not for me. But enough enough of the the Honus Wagner. We got some baseball to get into. I Cardinals swept the Yankees. I'll start with that and I'll just leave it at that. Yankees suck. And speaking of Yankees, they just got walked off by the Seattle Mariners, which I wasn't watching the game, but from what everything that I saw, that it was just an electric game, went 13 innings, only by one run. That's all it was needed. It was scoreless all through 12 until the bottom of the 13th inning. Seattle Mariners walked it off on a base hit, scored one run. That's all it took. And Mar- you know, and it was in Seattle. Mariners are no joke. Mariners are no joke right now. And they are sitting currently in a wild card spot. They're in second in a wild card spot. They have a half game above third place Rays, which they have a half game lead out of all teams. The Baltimore Orioles are a half game behind a wild card spot. 
That is crazy. Blue Jays right now are sitting in first place on the wild card spot with one and a half game lead. But, you know, they just recently lost two games. So, you know what? This this, this August, the rest of August is going to be very, very interesting. And when September hits, that's going to be so damn interesting. Because right now, in the American League, there are four teams with at least five games separating them in a wild card spot. And I say four teams and I say five games because there's only one team that's five games from a wild card spot, and that's my Boston Red Sox. So what I'm I'm gonna include them. I don't give a shit. But it sucks because we've already lost three. We lost the fight the final two games against the goddamn Kansas City Royals. I don't know how the hell we lose to Kansas City Royals. And then we just lost um a game against the defending champs, Atlanta Braves. And it was from Austin Riley, who scored, who got a base hit, again in extra innings, Ron Lacuna Jr. sliding in the home plate, hell of a slide, avoided the tag, he hops up, fizz bumps, jumps in the air, all that good stuff, doing Acuna stuff. God damn it, man. I... I'm going to go on a quick little rant with the Red Sox right now. I I don't know what this team is doing. I, I'm so pissed off at this team right now. I It is just so damn frustrating right now. This team stinks. We have a center fielder who is not even, who can't play center field. By the way, Jaron Duran after missing the ball and, you know, letting it go by or trying to make the catch and then the fans chirping him and him having the balls to turn around and chirp back. Dude, you you are not in the position to be doing that type of shit, okay? You're not the only player out there that misses a ball in the lights or, you know, or misses the ball in the sun or what have you. For whatever reason, you misplay a ball whatever you are not the only player that that's happened to so don't act like you're the only one that it's happened to and by turning around and chirping at fans back because you know whatever it said they're making fun of you haha you missed the ball fuck you blah blah blah. if you can't handle that type of chirping dude then you know what maybe playing in the outfield isn't your thing or maybe playing in baseball isn't your thing you're in a fucking red Sox uniform we don't do that type of shit. That is completely that that is completely ridiculous. I I didn't stand for that for one bit at all. Jaron Duran, get your shit together and I know for a fact that your ass got chewed out by Alex Cora behind closed doors. I know for a fact that that happened. Because I know damn well I would do that. Like, you play for a certain team where putting, put, for, damn it, I can't even talk, where putting on a certain uniform means something. You know, I'm not downgrading any team out there, but in my opinion, Red Sox is one of those teams where you put on that uniform, you get treated a certain way. You're part of the Boston Red Sox. And, you know, that goes for a lot of teams out there. That goes for the Dodger uniform. That goes for, I hate to say it, but it goes for the Yankee uniform as well. There are uniforms out there 
that when players put them on, you you can't act a certain way because fans will chew you out, especially your own fans. And I'm, I'll be damned if there isn't a, a Red Sox fans out there that wasn't disappointed with that shit. Don't be turning around and firing back at the at the fans out there, you know, making fun of you because you missed a ball. That because that just shows that you know it really hurt you that bad that you missed those balls. Granted, you made a diving catch, you know, a little later on, but the fact that you missed them and it hurt you that bad that you got to turn around and chirp back at the fans says something about you. Kansas City Royal fans at that. That type of shit is unacceptable. Clean that shit up. And I know for a fact, Alex Korosh chewed him out. And, I, and I'm and i pretty sure that it will never happen again. It's one thing to chirp fans if they're throwing things at you. You know, last year, Alex Verdugo, and they threw a ball at him, turning around and firing back. That's one thing. But, you know, if you can't handle a little bit of chirping because you missed a ball... Granted, we probably don't know what they what they said, you know. I don't know if they were talking about, you know, your girlfriend, your mom, or what have you, but chances are they weren't. They're they're Royals fans, okay? They're not, you know, they're not Dodger fans, they're not Yankee fans. They're they're I'm pretty sure they're not the best chirping fans out there. They're they're Royals fans, okay? Last thing they got to, you know, talk shit was back in twenty fifteen. So but I'm pretty sure that it was nothing too crazy to make you be like, oh shit, I gotta turn around. You did that on your own. Completely unacceptable. I, I did not care for that one damn bit at all. Shit up. That type of shit just doesn't fly, especially in a Red Sox uniform. Because all in all, haven't been doing all that well in the season anyways. And, you know, Red Sox have been like the only laughing stock of Major League Base right now to miss balls. Fly balls in the outfield. A la Christian Arroyo when he's over there dancing in his feet with his arms above his head. Like, where the hell is the damn ball? And it's like 20 feet behind him. So, and you're just making it a lot worse turning around and arguing with the fans behind you about all that shit. Like, no. Like, that shit, get that shit out of here. No more of that. Back to regular baseball that's going on. Um, a lot of teams are doing good. I'm, I'm mostly, I want to talk about these standings right now. I want to talk about some teams because... I want to, well, I want to talk about one one particular team that made a big trade, San Diego Padres trading for Juan Soto, and then Juan Soto saying, "I feel sorry for the pitchers," and then they get swept by the Dodgers. What are you doing? Like, I'm all for you know talking a little shit, but don't be talking shit when you know when something hasn't happened yet, and then you get swept by the Dodgers. In L.A., and then they boo Juan Soto when, you know, a little less than a month before, he was there getting cheered on for the All-Star Game and the Home Run Derby. But now he's getting booed because Dodger fans out there thinking that he didn't want to go with them. 
but that, that's not the case. Dodger fans just think everybody wants to be a Dodger, or they think that the Dodgers are going to get everybody, and when they don't get somebody, they boo them. That's Dodger fans for you. But, dude, Juan Soto can't be talking shit after getting swept by the Dodgers and then going back home and then losing game one to San Fran, 1-0, and then you finally win. Okay, so, and then Padres fans, okay, let's 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 talk about the NL real quick and their standings right now. Padres, you're in you're in the third place wild card spot with only one game separating you from the Brewers who are right behind you. And then you got the Phillies and the Braves taking up the number two and the one spot. And then you got, of course, your division leaders in the New York Mets, Cardinals, and Dodgers. Mets, by the way, taking four games out of five from the defending champion Atlanta Braves like damn wow no one everyone I'm pretty sure a lot of people thought that that was going to be the series to you know actually put a little bit of leeway or at least give give the Atlanta Braves a defending or not defending but a fighting chance at that division and after that five game set and then the New York Mets taking four out of five that just puts them up in in the division against the Braves seven games now and now the Mets are on a five game win streak and you know Braves won one you know against the Red Sox whatever but that just pushed the Braves behind the Mets for the division at seven games do the Mets do the Mets have the division now who knows who knows right now, but that that set hurt. That that five game set and losing four against the Mets hurt. I'm pretty sure it hurt them. And then and then come to think of it, they play them again. They're they got the Red Sox thing and, and then they got the Marlins. Uh, go to going to Florida to play the Marlins and then they got a four game set against the Mets again. But they're at home, so we'll see. We'll see what happens there. They got them. They play them on the 15th, they play them on the 16th, they play them on the 17th, and then they play them on the 18th. So, if if Atlanta Braves can maybe, I don't know, take the last one against the Sox and win three out of four against the Marlins, you know, that's, that's, that's uh, what is that, five games right there, that puts them within two. If the Mets, you know, maybe lose a couple of games, they might be tied at that point, and then this four-game set could determine maybe who gets the jump in first place or not. It's not going to be a big jump, but, you know, it could determine who's going to be in first place. So look out for that. That's, what, next week? Mets take on the Braves in Atlanta. So we'll we'll see what that's going to go on. So continuing back on, you know, a lot of the teams and the standings right now, Dodgers sitting pretty in the NL West. 16-game lead ahead of the Padres. Um, here's the one that's interesting. The NL Central Cardinals with one game lead against the Brewers. And, you know, looking at the Cardinals, I mean, that team, I don't know. That team's got some fire in them. I don't know if it's just, you know, Paul Goshman having an MVP run. Paul finally, you know, playing. Nolan Arenado 
probably second in MVP voting on the NL side, but they just swept the Yankees. They lost. They lost against the Rockies, but you know they had prior to the three-game sweep against the Yankees, they had a four-game win streak. So they were on a seven-game win streak. They finally lost, of course, against the Rockies, but you know those games really put it put them in a good spot right now. They have a one-game lead in division ahead of the the Brewers, but. Cardinals are looking pretty good right now. And they got the Rockies for two more. And speaking on it, they got the Brewers in St. Louis. They got them for three games. And then they're going, and then they're playing the Rockies again. And then they're playing the Arizona Diamondbacks. So aside from the three game set against the Brewers, they've got some teams that they can beat on, you know, to try to gain a lead against, against the Brewers. But, I mean, you, but when when that time comes, you never know. Cause I mean, I mean, we've seen the Rockies sweep the, the Dodgers before this year already. So, but you know, I'm pulling for the Cardinals. I like the Cardinals, and I I do have them winning the division. I do believe I picked them to win the um the uh, the NL Central division. I do have the I do have the Cardinals. I did have the Mets, and I don't had I, I don't believe I had the Dodgers winning the division. I, oh man, I'm gonna have to look back at the uh, at the graphic on, on who I actually picked. I don't remember, but I, maybe I picked the Giants, which is a stupid decision right now. But oh man, I'm gonna have to look back. But I mean, looking at the wild card standings right now, uh, Braves are in first, Phillies in second, Padres in third, Brewers right behind the Padres with one game. And then the next closest team are the Giants, and they're six and a half games back. Who knows? I mean, it's August. It's early August. It's going to get interesting. It's going to get very interesting because now every team is playing like a playoff team now. Like, holy shit. Uh, but let's jump to the let's jump into the American League real quick. So, surprisingly... For the AL Central, between the Cleveland Guardians and the Minnesota Twins, they're both at fifty-seven and fifty-two. And the White Sox are one and a half game behind them. So, if we look at the wild card standings right now. The Twins are one game behind the wild card spot, and the White Sox are two and a half games behind a wild card spot. It's very interesting. You know what? I'm very curious. I want to know who the Twins are playing in the upcoming, you know, about week and a half. Let's see who the Twins are playing. So, oh wow, they're playing. They're playing the Dodgers in L.A. And then they're playing. They got a three game set against the Angels, and then they're back at home for. For four game for seven games against the Rangers or no the Royals first and then the Rangers so I mean same with them they got some teams that could beat up on to try to get them ahead in their division or at least jump them into first place because right now they're tied with the Cleveland Guardians so we'll see how that goes and of course of course you have the division leaders right now in the AL West you have the 
Astros, AL East, you have the Yankees and AL Central, you have the Cleveland Guardians, which uh, I don't know how they have the first place spot when they're tied with the Twins. It might be because the Guardians played the Twins earlier this year and they probably beat them in the series. So that's probably why they have the first place spot. But that's, yeah, that's probably why. But, um, I don't know, standings are looking a little, a little shaky right now. We'll see what actually happens in the coming month and a half left of the season. And, um, looking into, uh, I'm looking at some players' stats right now, batting average. You know, it's, eh, not many people care about batting average. But, of course, Paul Goldschmidt is leading in bat- batting average in, um, in the National League. With uh, 329. Uh, let's see. Let's see. we got home runs. Of course, Aaron Judge leading the world with 44 in the American League. Kyle Schwarber at 34. Right. Uh, 10, 10 behind him in the National League. And then Austin Riley is at 30. Jordan Alvarez at 30. No one's catching Aaron Judge in the American League. There's 14 home runs separating him between Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. Yeah. There's no one catching him. RBI's Aaron Judge leads at 98. Pete Alonso leads in the NL at 95. Uh, let's see what else I can be looking at here. Let's see. Let's see here. Oh, there's not. Oh, there's not that much. Well, let's go to pitching. ERA. Uh, Justin Verlander is leading the American League at 1.73. National League. Josh Hader is leading. The National League. Padre, by the way, with 29 saves. Uh, Taylor Rogers at 28 saves. And Edwin Diaz at 26 saves with his epic-ass walkout song when he's about to pitch with the trumpets playing. Beautiful. I love it. Uh, going in, staying on pitching, we have, you know, with the innings pitched, we know it kind of takes... Cy Young voting takes innings pitch uh, into an account. Sandy Alcantara with 158 and a third innings pitched. Aaron Nola at 144 and two-thirds innings pitched. And Logan Webb at 142. Miles Mikolas at 141. Holy shit, all the, the top four guys are all NL pitchers. The next pitcher to come in at number five is Garrett Cole, and he's at 138. No other AL pitcher is past 140. That is crazy. The next pitcher, American League pitcher, with the innings pitch is Alec Manoa at 137. And then Martin Perez at 136. Framber Valdez at 135. Holy shit, I can't believe not one American League pitcher is past 140. And the National League has four of them. And one pitcher is already at past 150. And he's at 158. And that's Sandy Alcantara. That is crazy. What's going on in the American League and pitching where they can't, where they're just not taking them deep, uh, they're not going deep into games anymore? Damn, that's crazy. Wow. I did, that's such a, a crazy stat to me. But uh, enough enough of, the, of that going on. Uh, this past weekend, or actually, no, not this past weekend. This past week, I was in El Paso. I traveled with the team on their bus. Uh, the Albuquerque Isotopes. I traveled with them to El Paso, not only to spend time with the team, you know, 
because that in itself was a blast. But of course, to be with my family, my my parents were down there, so I I decided to take the trip. It was offered to me. I took it. It was a good bus ride. Didn't have to drive, which is you know a plus in my book. Um, but it was great. We left last Tuesday at eight in the morning. And we got there around, I would say, 12 to the ballpark. They unloaded all the stuff. Um, players checked in the hotel. I, I didn't get a hotel, of course, because, I one, I don't want to pay for it. And, two, I have a place to stay. But, yeah, I uh, as soon as we got there, it was a little, a little around 12, a little past 12. I ended up staying. Uh, at the ballpark, I got with the visitor uh, clubhouse manager, got with him, met him, dropped my stuff off, and I just stayed at the ballpark until, you know, till they had batting practice. I I was out there, you know, catching pop flies at batting practice. I caught at second for one of our players, which was pretty fun, badass. And the main part that I thought was actually pretty fun for me anyway is the fact that I didn't have to work I was there just just for fun and it it was great I didn't have to do anything I didn't have to work I just got to hang out with the team you know watch the full game from the dugout not having to worry about you know what's going on in the clubhouse and making sure everything's all strained out or anything it was literally a for fun trip and I had a hell of a time I watched majority of the game on Tuesday night and I uh, ended up leaving. I got picked up by my dad, went back home, spent time with the family for the last for the next th- 3 days for Wednesday, Tuesday f- for Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And then Saturday went to the ballpark, uh stayed there for that game. And then sat well reason why I really wanted to go for Saturday, not just, you know, of course, spend time with the team, watch BP, watch practice, all that good stuff, but because a certain starting pitcher was going to make his debut with the El Paso Chihuahuas, Jay Groom, former pitching prospect for the Red Sox, who we traded for, for Eric Hosmer was pitching was a starting pitcher that day I believe he went four and two-thirds you know struck out a lot I think only gave up about two hits so he had a pretty good outing but uh, I I really wanted him to pitch because he's one of the players that I was actually excited for the for the Red Sox to to bring up future but of course now that's not lo- no longer the case anymore he is a San Diego Padre which, well, he's a Chihuahua, but, you know, he's a San Diego Padre now. Uh, he was part of the trade, but he was making his debut with uh, the Chihuahua team that day. So I, I wanted I wanted to watch that game. And it was actually really, really fun. And it, was just, it was just fun watching the games from the dugout and not having to worry about work and actually being able to cheer, you know, really for fun. And, you know, the guys really didn't mind it. The visiting manager didn't mind it. It was great. It was awesome. 
their visiting clubhouse there in the Chihuahua Stadium um, is really, really nice. And one thing that I, I, uh, I will have to say is it actually really felt like I was like really, really like one of like a, like a player, like it, like what, when I got there, of course I wasn't there, you know, with any of the players I got there, I went to the ballpark early, but you know, of course I'm, I'm there with my luggage. I have my shirt on, you know, my team shirt, the team hat, you know, and as I was messaging the visiting manager, like, Hey, where do I go? He's like, Oh, go to this, go to this area, go to this elevator, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I go there and, you know, like no one really asked me anything. I, they just, you know, I'm, I'm assuming they assumed that I was part of the team. So go right in, take the elevator, go to the clubhouse and, you know, just chill. And it, I don't know. It just felt cool to me. It, it was just a really cool thing. Um, uh, but all in all, it was a really fun trip. I had a really good time, and I'm glad. I'm really glad I went. The highlight of it, though, was Sunday, the final game, and it's also travel day because, according to our our schedule, we were going to leave the well, leave El Paso at 11 and arrive back in Albuquerque at three o'clock in the morning. At least, at least that was the plan. But it Sunday did not go as planned whatsoever because, for starters, well, it was a six o'clock game, and for starters, it started to rain, so they pulled the tarp. The game did not start on time. It was a delay. Rain stopped, but you know it got really cloudy, so the tarp was halfway on the field waiting because they did not know really if the clouds were going to go over the stadium and actually start raining. So they kept it on as, as a, you know, just in case. So that's why the tarp was halfway on the field. Now the whole time fans already in the stands, you know, probably already got all their food, peanuts, what have you. And the game did not end up happening. It was a two-hour rain delay. They didn't can't officially cancel the game till lift little bit after eight o'clock. Now, the time in between is what was really the highlight of that day. For starters, you know we're not doing anything. Oh, sorry about that. We're not doing anything. Players are you know waiting. The starting pitcher is waiting. You know. They're checking the field because it rained and all this stuff was going on. Now, as all this is going on, you know, players are in the dugout just, you know, waiting and, you know, just talking amongst themselves. As this is all going on, you know, the stadium, of course, is playing music. They got the Jumbotron with the cameras going, showing everybody. And they're playing all this type of, you know, great music to dance to. So that's everybody in the stands was just dancing. So cameras were just going to every single, almost like every single person out there ended up on that Jumbotron at least once. You know, kids were out there dancing the Macarena up there and like had reggaeton music going on and everybody was just dancing. Like it, it was just awesome. You know, some of the players were looking up like, holy shit, like what? Like 
Like, all right, they're getting down and all this kind of stuff. So that was just fun. Like, it really it really made the time go by so fast. The two-hour delay did not feel like two hours at all. And then what what started leading up to it was the visiting, uh, not, not the visiting, where the visiting dugout, the home dugout, one of their players, I guess, had a football. So he chucked it into our dugout. And, you know, and basically, like, if you if you can't read the room, then then you suck. But basically, like, throw the ball back. All right, let's play catch. So ended up, that's what ended up happening. They started throwing catch back and forth. You know, player tries it. You try to make it. And the thing was, you, you weren't allowed on the field to, you know, throw the, to throw the football. You had to throw it from inside the dugout. So that was like a little unwritten rule, like, Okay, we understand. All right, we get it. Later, it turned into an actual game. Not a football game, but like a just like a game that they had. So, in front of the dugouts, both dugouts, they put trash cans. If you don't know what the game is, again, you suck. Okay? It's self-explanatory. Throw it from the dugout. First one to make it in wins. And that's what was going on for about 45 minutes straight. Everybody was trying. The The Chihuahua guys were throwing it from their dugout, trying to get into our trash can. Our guys were throwing it way across the diamond, trying to get into their trash can. It went on, kid you not, it had to have been for 45 minutes, you know, until I even suggested, I told one of the guys, I was like, we need Zach Lee out here. He's one of our relief pitchers. I was like, he played, I believe, for LSU football quarterback. I was like, he's got an arm. And he has a football all the time in his career. And he likes throwing. I was like, we need him out here. As soon as he got out there, we knew we were back in the game. And he really did have an arm on him. He was throwing it from way in the dugout close to the camera well. It was just so damn fun cheering, you know, everybody on. Like, we get so hyped up when the ball would, like, one hop the, you know, close to the to trash can or just flew over the trash can just by a little bit. It was just so damn fun. And, of course, you know, the announcer had to chime in a little bit. He was... You know, like saying, oh, now, now it's Zach Lee up. And then, like, just going back and forth. It was just a blast. And not the fact that I didn't have to worry about the fact that I didn't have to work or anything. I was literally there having fun. Legit fun. And it it was just so damn badass. And in the end, our guy, Zach Lee, on the very last throw, right when they're pulling the tar back on the field, the very last throw throws it right over the diamond into the close to the Chihuahua's dugout, and he sinks it right in the trash can. Badass. We all get hyped. We're all cheering and yelling. They start flashing the lights in the stadium like when someone hits a like when someone hits a home run. And it, it was just awesome. And of course, right after that, we all went into the clubhouse. Everyone started getting their stuff together. I got my stuff, hopped right on the bus, headed right back to Albuquerque that night. I think we got in around, oh man, I think it was 
I know it was after one o'clock in the morning, but it was pretty late. And then the fact that that same morning, uh, I got a few hours of sleep because I had to be back at the ballpark around, I believe, damn, I don't even remember. I think it was eight in the morning, that same morning. But it all in all, it was a it was a fun trip, really badass trip, hanging with the guys, just kicking back, watching some of the games during the rain delay on on. And matter of fact, we're watching the the Dodgers Padres game, watching the Padres get beat. And um, but it it was a fun it was a fun trip. It was it was really badass. I'm glad I went on it. Uh, something that you know a lot of not not a lot of people will experience but I'm pretty fortunate I'm glad that I got to so fun and you know uh I believe that's the last time the Isotopes play El Paso in El Paso I know we play the Chihuahuas again but that's end of the season in September but uh I knew they were playing them that time it wasn't the first time I remember I mentioned on episode before that I was at the the uh Spongebob night with Robinson Cano I was at that game, but I was I was as a fan. This time I went as a you know p- kind of part of the team, you know, in the dugout hanging with the guys. It was just so damn fun, so so damn badass. Totally do it again, and of course the bus ride was always good because I didn't have to drive, so it was it was actually pretty nice. The only thing I regret is not taking a damn pillow. For both times, in the morning and at night. I regret not having a pillow. It sucked. I could not get comfortable inside that bus. There's no chance I could get comfortable. But, uh, but I mean, yeah, that's that's my story from last week going to El Paso, traveling with the team. And, you know, this, this episode wasn't really much, not much to talk about baseball-wise. But, you know, looking to, you know, get a... Get one or one or two uh, interviews or guests set up for possibly next week and the week after. So bear with me, trying my hardest to set that all up. But do keep on keep the lookout for the coming episodes. And thank you for listening to episode. I believe is twenty three. I'm not sure. Don't remember. I'm always losing track of these numbers, but I believe it's episode 23. And thank you for for listening to this one. Be on the lookout for the next few episodes. I may or may not have a guest on it, but of course, follow on Instagram at We Watch We Collect and on Twitter at We Watch Collect. You know for upcoming news on who might be the guest for the coming episodes but again thank you for listening to this episode and we'll i'll see you in the next one